Show presents Scratch It Track. The podcast where we debate which track to scratch off some of the most known and unknown albums of all time. We live in an era of singles. This is an album. People no longer listen to an album for the work it truly is. It kind of defines a band. It's just not something that people relate to nowadays. We've all gotten the dreaded. Started out as a game. Which track on the album would, would you scratch out if you had to? Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Scratch a Track presented by the Dude and Grim Show. I am the Dude and with me as always is Grim. How are we doing there, Grim? I am doing pretty well this fine evening, Duderino. Awesome. All right, all right. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. Well, before we get started and before we get into scratching away, I just want to let everyone know that we can now be found on all major podcasting platforms as well as all major social media platforms. So from a podcasting perspective, that includes, let's see, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And then there's a whole host of other, I think, smaller brands and podcasts. So if you are affiliated with those, then I'm sure you can find us by searching Scratch a Track. We can also be found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we have our very own YouTube channel. So we are hitting all the major platforms and you can find some really good information there and we'll be putting a variety of content. So can't wait to uh, interact with all you guys. Right, Grim? Yeah, we're hoping to get a lot of listener feedback, um, a lot of opinions on what you would scratch, maybe opinions on different albums that you'd like to bring to the table, as we would always like to have some different content to listen to and uh, something something else to get out the screwdriver for and start scratching away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It would be really interesting to see... uh, some of the albums that that other people are into and want us to to take a look at. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my screwdriver ready. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, why don't you tell all all of our uh, fine fans what album we will be scratching away today? Well, today we are going to be talking about the classic Graceland by Paul Simon. Um, I, I would argue one of the most highly regarded albums of the of all time, definitely the '80s, and uh, certainly um, as a as a child uh, of the '80s, a, a big memory in my childhood. And I, I don't know a whole lot of people who you know don't have this album in some sort of memory of their childhood i mean for me it was basically part of the soundtrack to growing up yeah dude those people man i mean who uh, yeah actually i'm one of those people yeah I, <laughs> yeah i was i was unfortunately i was exposed to a lot of stuff at a very young age uh as far as movies and music go um i don't i don't think this was one of them i i, I just don't i, I don't I don't know what I was doing in 1986 or what my dad was doing, but I'm sure he has this album. You know, I'm going to go through his (laughs) collection. I mean, I mean, it it seems like you know. Well, I think it said that 16 million people have bought it, so I I would hope my dad was one of them. (laughs) Yeah, you would think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so is that is that kind of it was for you? It was when you were a kid and something like your dad hadn't played and you just kind of knew it. That's, oh man, that's family car trips. I mean, yeah, it just, it, it was just kind of a, a regular fixture, uh, sure. musically speaking in the family. Yeah. And, yeah. um, 
you know, of course, at the time, I just I thought it was a, a really cool album that we all liked, and I didn't realize the uh, the depth that it had and the the longevity that it would have, sure, and, and especially sure. I didn't realize a lot of the controversy that surrounded it. Um, yeah, it's true. Certainly had that. Certainly yeah, had that. I, I mean, it, we spoke before about the uh, really good documentary that's that's out there on this, which I, I watched for a second yeah. time recently, and um, it, it was interesting because I think um, from a career standpoint, he kind of had a flop of an album before that and was going through some yep. personal turmoil, and yeah. because of that, was able to just kind of sneak away to South Africa and totally. record this album um, without a whole lot of pressure from the record company. I don't think a lot of people yeah. knew what he was doing. I don't think a lot of people really cared. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I've you know heard as well. He, I mean, we all know Paul Simon from you know Simon and Garfunkel and The Graduate and Mrs. Robinson, and um, definitely had a lot of hits. And then I think that that's I, I think most people's you know perception and knowing who who Paul Simon is um and yeah, well in a legitimate solo career in the 70s i mean sure yeah sure yeah no i mean definitely yeah definitely had those songs um and and some albums there but i think a lot of people i for me i always knew him the, the first thing when i think of Paul Simon i i and, and it's probably because i come from movies and more of a film background but it's i think of the graduate like that yeah. that's what i think of oh that's fair know? Uh, you know, and plus I wasn't exposed to, you know, Graceland when I was four years old. So, oh, um, gross. Uh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> hey dude, dude, I will give you Rich's number, man. And you can, you, you can give him a call, man. I, I'm I probably sure talk- still remember it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure he'll talk to you about it, man. I'm sure he will. So, but yeah, going back to this and kind of everything around it, you know, he had had a, f- a couple of flops, I think leading up to it and, um, his marriage to, uh, uh, you know, the, the late great rebel princess, uh, Carrie Fisher, uh, kind of, uh, disintegrated. He, he talked about, I think he was on tour and, and all this stuff was going on and he was promoting, uh, I think an, another album, like a, a comeback thing with, uh, Art Garfunkel. And, yeah. and then during that time he decided to get married to Carrie, just probably not the best time to do it. And I think no. everything just, just kind of came, came to a head and at that period, he was just done. You know, you have a flop, your marriage falls apart. He was going through a lot of a lot of things, and and in yeah, that where documentary, do you start? yeah, yeah, right, right. And in that documentary, he I think he talks about driving. Uh, I think he was driving around New York, and his friend had given him a uh, a, uh, a cassette tape, <laughs> um, and even driving back and forth, I think from the city, it, he said that it quickly became. Um, one of his, basically his go-to tape. And, yeah. um, and it was the, the South type. African yeah. music, yeah, which, exactly. uh, you know, to come to find out was in a lot of ways, even disregarded with, within their own culture, or at least not mm-hmm. taken as seriously as some other music, right. but it, sure. it has this really amazing, interesting quality. And from a musicianship perspective, I mean, I don't know yeah. where these so these guys come up with with the line, the guitar lines and the bass lines, but they just they uh, play so awesome and in such a unique way that totally. I can I can Very, see why it it grabbed him right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the title of the the name of of the cassette tape, Gumboots, 
Accordion Jive Hits Volume 2. That's now that Dude, now let me just tell you, dude. You remember when we were kids and they had like the Jock Jams tapes and everything? Yeah. Like, you could get like the CDs on the infomercials and it was all these volume things. Dude, here's the thing. I, I want to track down Volume 1. I mean, yeah. dude, if you, dude, dude, if you're listening to volume two and that inspires you to come up with Graceland, just imagine what you could do with volume one. Uh, I, I mean, I have no holy idea. hell. <laughs> that would be, uh, it'd be pretty wild, man. It'd be pretty oh, wild. Oh, I know so. it. So he yeah, goes so. over there, right? He yeah, goes, yeah, to, goes to South Africa. Yeah, yeah. And, and partners with a lot of these musicians and, from what I understand, a lot of these things that became the basis for many of the songs were kind of like these just jams that they yeah, would get into. Yep. yep. And it was just like, record the tracks and we'll bring them mm-hmm. back and do do things with them later. And I don't know if that's true yeah. for all of them, but a lot of them. And I, I, yeah, a yeah. handful for sure. And yeah. I, I know he got a lot, of, a lot of flack for this because I think some people felt as if he used he the musicians yeah. and, and was yep. just kind of stealing their music. But yeah. uh, I, I believe that in a retrospect, I mean, he brought all these people on tour. He, he basically right. yep. promoted their music to this mm-hmm. large western audience that probably yeah. would have never heard of it so yeah. i feel yeah. like in a way they they kind of did each other quite a big favor and i think that's how both parties look at it in retrospect and probably at the time yeah yeah i mean uh, you know that's that's what my understanding is he he basically went you know he listened to these tapes they tracked down kind of the people they made some connections over there and he went over there really with no songs in mind. He just kind of like yeah. showed up and, you know, they were just kind of hang out and they jammed and, and yeah, dude, there's no way. Um, I mean, he used his stature and, and who he was to also help, you know, get this music out to, to people who never would have heard it. They, yeah. there's, there's no way they, they ever would have heard it. So to make the argument that he was using them, I, I can see how people would say that at the same time they were using each other. And and I think everyone well, yeah. I would benefited from it. Um, yeah, and at that point, it's 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 a symbiotic relationship. I mean, it's it's a really good collaboration. And I, I just you, you couldn't imagine what these songs would have sounded like if at all if the, he just used regular, you know, honky studio musicians that and not to say they're not amazing in their own right but i mean they i'm sorry they just don't have those same kind of chops i've just never heard anybody play like those guys yeah yeah and and another thing that adds on to the controversy is the the state of the the country that south africa was in at the time it was very very tumultuous there from from 1948 to the early 90s they had severe severe racial segregation apartheid it was yeah. pretty much yeah yeah i mean it was pretty much it was it was white supremacy that you know they d- dominated politically and socially and economically um and i mean there was laws and curfews in place even when he was over there recording with them there were people putting in tracks and they were like well it, it's getting dark. Like we, we got to go because because these black African American or African musicians they they couldn't go out on the streets past yeah. dark or they or they would get arrested. I mean that's 
they couldn't use public transportation, so they would need a ride. I mean, this is this is stuff pretty we can't extreme. imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have that's for another podcast. We all have our whole host of issues we have here in our country, but this is that's that's pretty crazy, man. That's it's it's pretty crazy. Um, so uh, having to deal with that, and there was certain political pressures, and even after this album came out and it was successful. Uh, a lot of people criticized him for going over there, for yep. kind of using them, for for you know breaking kind of these barriers and everything. Dude, you know he wasn't trying to make any political statement. He just liked the sound, man. Well, you know? and that's yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, th- this was really musicians collaborating. This wasn't him, you know, saying, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and single handedly bring this to the rest of the world, so everyone knows right. what a problem there is here." It, it was just, uh, it was yeah, just I mean, really even, great collaboration. Yeah, I mean, even speaking to you know, we'll get into the individual tracks, but there's, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily like even you know how Bob Marley was, who he was, you know, he used his music as as a sounding board and you know to really get his thoughts and you know as as a political you know kind of hammer uh a lot of these songs at least at least when i listened to them i didn't feel a whole lot of you know political anxiety i mean there's there's a few things here and there but um that didn't seem to at least in the lyrics that didn't seem to be what what he was going for it was hey these guys make music and i want to do it with them well sure and i think a lot of it's personal and I guess the one song that comes to mind to me is not even necessarily um, political, but maybe more of just a microcosm of where society was, was just the boy in the bubble. Because if you listen to the lyrics of that, I mean, they just, he, he just talks about all, all these sure. things that are going on technology. And I mean, it, it just kind of encompasses like so many different um themes of modern society in in that song but again not not overtly political right i I was actually going to say that the song that actually resonated to me um about the conditions and everything there is actually homeless oh yeah Uh, that that i mean to me that that's that's a really big one and and pretty much front and center is is the south african musicians singing in harmony and paul simon doesn't even really come until the end but you know we, yeah we, we can get to that we can get to that in a minute but um, now maybe, one maybe oh sorry go ahead no well, go i was ahead, just gonna go say one quick thing that i didn't yeah. realize um is that not only uh is most of this in conjunction with these south african musicians but mm-hmm. the last song on the album he uh, collaborates Lobo. with Los Lobos, and yep. that became controversial in itself because oh, they yeah. more or less accused him of stealing their song. And I, I did not know about this until reading. Either did I. Yeah. yeah. And which, no, no, you, I mean, again, we'll get into our scratches, but I, I don't know if that's like, if you're really that mad about that song being stolen, I mean... I well, go back to the typewriter. Yeah, Paul Simon did, and and uh, maybe we'll talk about it when we get to that song. But he, I, I think he had a good his response. I think was a good response to it. Um, and yeah, we will definitely get into that. But but so talking about this album just initially as a whole, um, you know, we've talked about the kind of the recording process and everything. Um, but it, as a as a whole album, he he thought of it. 
I think more is um, uh, an album that alternated between kind of more playful and more serious songs. And he he thought yeah. of it actual yeah. actually kind of like as a play. And he said, you know, as in a play, the mood should keep changing. A serious song may lead to something abstract or followed by something humorous. And and listening to it, it's it's really a lot of the words that he has and comes up with. Some of it is very deep and serious. And there's uh, definitely songs and uh, you get the feeling about his his marriage breakups and stuff like that. But then there's also other lyrics where, you know, he's he's gets a little sillier and he's talking yeah. about, you know, a turnaround jump shot and stuff like that, yeah. where you're just like, oh, OK. So it's 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 I wouldn't say all over the place, because one of the things to me that I really enjoy about this album is it has a really consistent kind of feel to it. It feels mm-hmm. really authentic to me. It doesn't it doesn't overreach. It doesn't try to be more than it is. Uh, it, it really just kind of holds the same to me the whole the the, the same feel throughout. And yeah, a lot I would of, agree with that uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, a lot of the songs flow, and I know you kind of mentioned it earlier, but that bass, man, the bass. Oh, I know. Like it's. I, dude, I, I've that. never. They use that as kind of the rhythm. In, in, well, that's yeah, and so he's and he's man. playing a fretless bass of all things, and when just sure. to see him play that thing, I mean, he is he's unbelievable. He's all over, man. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. It's it's it was pretty cool. So so yeah, and I, I think you're you're probably referring to uh, some of the scenes of the documentary, which again I'll I'll throw a plug, and we're not affiliated with that, but you can find it on Amazon Prime the the Graceland documentary is very cool. Oh, like, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, very informative, and, and you get a good ex- exposure. And, and the the main guitar player too that he was working with. I mean, just just these parts that he came up with. I just I I, I don't know how to I don't want to say attack, but address the instrument in the way of coming up with a part that he does. It's just it, huh. it's really unique, and it's uh, it's it's fascinating to hear you know, what he came up with is his parts for these songs. It's, it's totally. really fantastic playing. Totally. Well, I think it's, I think it's about time we get into this one, my friend. Yeah. Um, so we start with, this was an LP. So we're running at, uh, just around 40 plus minutes. Um, and side one starts with the, the boy in the bubble. And I, I think the first thing for me that, I, that, that grabbed me is dude, the accordion. I mean, yeah. it just, just such an, I, I don't, when I think of an African instrument, I, I, the last thing I think of is actually an accordion, but yep. man, it just, boom, just stands out. And then I think like three, like booming drum beats come in and it's just like, dude, then you're off to the races. It's, it's yeah. really cool, man. You and know? yeah. And, and in the core, for some reason, I always equate probably my, um, Polish heritage, but I always sure. equate the accordion with kind of goofier, like polka music, but it almost yeah. has a, it yep. almost has like a little darker feel the way he plays it. And I really, really like that. It does. It does. And um, some of the drum like beats and hits, I I believe they you know they recorded all this stuff down in in for a few weeks down in in South Africa and then they came back and I think they said they they did add on some layers to to make some of these things sound deeper and thicker. So yeah, that, I mean, you can it's it's like that '80s drum sound with um, yeah with like the gated reverb and and just everything sounding really huge. So that's sure. one thing I was going to mention when you said uh, the album's consistency is the drums do kind of have that. 80s stereotypical drum sound 
not mm-hmm. to get too nerdy, but it just sounds really big <laughs> and like it was yeah. recorded in a cathedral or something. I sure, mean, it's just very this, full, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. But you know, again, the lyrics on this song, I think, are really like I was saying earlier, just kind of a micro microcosm of of his view of society at the time. And sure, like you said talking about turnaround jump shots and every generation yeah. <laughs> throwing a hero up the pop charts yeah. and yeah. you know just yeah. kind of lays yeah. it all out in a very uh yeah. not necessarily cynical but um a very uh a very good way sure sure and and that's one thing i think i mean i'm uh, i think some of these songs were recorded and you know he went down there and he didn't have full songs you know in uh, you know in process and a lot of this um from from what i hear uh the the producer they actually can and i'm not sure how this was done especially in 1986 a lot of this was con- they said converted over to digital somehow when they started editing and mixing oh and i didn't know that I, that's yeah and i i don't know if pro tools existed back then but uh it must have been very primitive and oh I, and really yeah. slow yeah yeah, can you imagine that? So I, I would be very curious. I couldn't find a whole lot more information about that. They didn't really talk about it in the documentary, but I would just I would really like to dive into that a little more and, and try to understand, geez, how, how they did it and what because I don't know of any other albums at this during this time period that was using any sort of digital technology. Uh well, at least yeah. not that we know of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, not for a recording platform, but right, right. Anyways. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, and then you know we have uh, the the second song here, which is uh, Graceland title track. Um, title yeah. track. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, to me, it, it just as has a really nice um, kind of smooth flow to it. Uh, incorporate yeah. like different types of per, uh, percussion, and it has a light guitar in the background, and um, just I don't know, just really complements the song doesn't take away from the 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 vocals uh you know the bass is there it has kind of this bubbly feeling but it's, to me it's at least from the lyrics what i gathered it seemed to be a, a song about loss and i i don't know if that's about you know his his uh split from carrie fisher but it just it just kind of seemed mm-hmm. uh, a song about loss and, trying and a journey to get away a journey yeah i get away yeah. and escape somewhere else to to find something so yeah, yeah and, and he did he did he did um, uh, third track. I know what I know. It's, to me, the intro, dude. It sounds like Richie Valens La Bamba. Like that's the yeah. first thing I thought of when I heard of it. Like that's just it's what it funny. sounds like to me, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, a, up, a lot of song, African yeah. influence in this one. You know, the, the background the, vocals. Oh. And yeah, yeah. I, I just those it, yeah. really good lyrics. Yeah, the the women's vocals in the background, I I kind of equated that to it sounds like like birds singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really really what it sounds like to me. And uh, yeah, it, it you're you're definitely right. That's what really to, to me that's what is like the the standout point point to that to that song. Yeah, um, and and it's funny because to me it, it flows really well into Gumboots. Um, they're similar, uh, I think. In sure in feel yeah and uh well i i guess really the whole rest of that side is is similar in feel so i mean gumboot again uh, excellent song and its own right and then 
it goes right into diamonds on the soles of her shoes. And to me, those, those three just, they go together so well. It was like, they sure. must've been done from the same session or something because they, they're really similar right. in feel and lyrically great. But I mean that, that just that title diamonds on the soles of her shoes is uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. awesome. Well, and the first minute of that song is like an intro with just uh, like uh, basically the South African men kind of chant singing a yeah. little bit. And and then like the song starts. I, I think it might be, it's close to, let's see, it looks like, yeah, it looks like it's the longest song on the album running close to six minutes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess with and, the, yeah, see, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I really noticed once I started listening to, not listening to lyrics, but actually reading them, you know, Paul Simon, he really tells stories in his songs. It's a lot of, whether it's about him or characters that he makes up or a conversation or some kind of interaction. And he does that a lot on this album. And I'm not as familiar with a lot of his other work, but he specifically does this on album, on this album uh, to many of the songs, many mm-hmm. of the songs. Uh, so he's, he's really, really good at it. Um and so now, then we flip. We go to side two, and we have probably the, I, I would say, the hit that most oh, people yeah. know, the most recognizable music yep. video uh, with Chevy Chase, and that would be You Can Call Me Al. Uh, now, that and- video, funny enough, was not the original video for it, I guess. They had shot another video, and it just... Somebody saw it and were like, "We can't even put this out. Like, it's just not good." <laughs> and then I guess yeah. Lorne Michaels from SNL, oh, that's right, had yep. this idea to do it with Chevy Chase because I guess he loved the song and knew every word and all. He that. knew all the and, words, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they could just make it funny, which it was. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way I've always kind of, kind of thought of that song. It's just kind of silly and funny. And I think it's because Chevy Chase was in it and he's singing along, and you have you know paul simon like moving in and out of the room just kind of being yeah bored, almost like just be almost just kind of like what am i doing here <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah you're right that definitely the hit off the album like the one that everybody knows um yeah yeah good really, intro i mean yeah. a, a lot the, of the recognizable part, though, parts that you know, bass I solo, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, yeah. How yeah. they how they didn't know how to fill in the second half of the bass solo, so they just took the first part and reversed it. Reversed I mean, it. Oh, dude. dude. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. which I believe clever. they did at different parts. I, I think they they did it on some other songs, maybe in uh, some more subtle ways. Uh, but yeah, because that a few, way a few is, other songs is so distinct. And yeah, I, I mean, you couldn't. Once you hear it, it like I, I can't unhear that. I mean, yeah, you just can't right. imagine the song played any differently. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. And I think actually, I I have noted that I believe at the end of the so the next song after you can call me Al is under African skies. I, I would want you to actually, and, and maybe you know this off the top of your head, but I'd want you to listen just right towards the end again. It actually feels like they do something similar there. Oh, with the like reverse right guitar. End. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know if it is that, but I know exactly what you mean, and it does sound that way. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it. I, I can't say for sure, but that without uh, listening to it right now, which, of course, we certainly could not afford the rights to play that on here but um no, but i'm i'm no, pretty sure that you're right yet. that is that is yeah. reverse guitar yeah 
on that note, we are looking for sponsors. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, truly uh, anybody. Corporate, you know, personal, what, you know. Yeah. We're, we, yeah we, we don't we're, we, we are ready to sell our souls, all right? Because <laughs> we just want to do this. But anyways, I digress. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But again, in this song, it seems like he's telling the story of someone. Uh, he mm-hmm. even uses it. There's a line. In it. This is the story of how we began to remember. So, yeah. He, he, I, and, a great and I, line. I, yeah, oh, totally. Great totally. I, yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, again, I, I don't know if that's how he, um, you know, a lot of his other work is like that. But I really feel he's he's just telling stories from different people and different perspectives. And you know, a like, lot of I, I will say, thinking about uh, his solo work, yeah, this is not unique in that a lot of his songs okay. are really interesting stories. Um, huh. But anyways, cool. yeah. Um, then we move on to homeless, which. The majority of that song, I mean, it's discussing uh, discussing poverty within, uh, you know, South Africa. And it, to me, it, it sounds like something out of The Lion King. Uh, oh, yeah. So, 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 so that has to have inspired uh, the music for the movie. And it just, um, it just the, the vocals, just a great, great mix of vocals. And I don't even think Paul Simon comes in until the end. It, like at the very end, he has, he has a couple words, but it's pretty much just them singing. And it's... Ah, it's great. Yeah, it is. And it's totally unique. I mean, I've never heard anything that would resemble, I don't want to say pop, but anything that would resemble a popular album that has anything akin to that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, And we have Crazy Love Volume 2. Now, is there a Crazy Love Volume 1? I don't know off the top of my head maybe in something <laughs> earlier um i certainly yeah. don't think it gained as much notoriety as volume two um, <laughs> right 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 yeah. now to me yeah. that that i would almost think would have to be about the breakup of his marriage yeah. i mean i don't want any part of or any i don't part want of no the, part of this crazy part of love this crazy love yeah 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 it's it's yeah it's got to be i mean i feel like that was the uh that's the one thing that stood out to me and seemed to be very, very uh, self-explanatory. The thing is, is so the feel of the song to me though, kind of almost contradicts the words a little bit because mm-hmm. I feel like the song is is sort of a beat. So I started kind of thinking of it from the perspective of, you know, it, it feels a beat and maybe the lyrics are a beat because he finally figured out that he didn't want to uh, be in yeah. this crazy love anymore and he feels good about it like you know typically when you have a love song it's like oh i'm down and out life sucks how am i ever going to get through this but this almost seems to be like a joyous discovery that that the love isn't going to continue and yeah and like he he's okay he yeah he won't be in that pain anymore so uh-huh. uh that that's because uh, it just the when you're thinking about losing love and then the song to me had a little bit of an upbeat uh, upbeat feel to it they seemed to kind of not not mesh but then i started thinking about it in a different way so yeah um uh so i think you said earlier about you said something about polka and uh that was your mother to me sounds sounds very polka and well yeah almost least south african uh sounding on the album it's you know yeah yeah that um I guess the 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 real uh, to be a nerd the real term would be zydeco, but it's almost kind of yeah. like that Cajun style of accordion sure. and everything as opposed to polka. But I definitely i I'd, I'd see the relation. It's really strong. 
And yeah. I always, I always liked this song because it's like, it, it's like you're talking to one of your kids and telling them about what it was like in your relationship before they were a part of it, you know? <laughs> that's really what it is. Sure, sure. Oh, that's funny. That's an interesting way to look at it. See, well, and he says I, that uh, was that yeah. was your mother and that was your father when I was still single and life was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, see, for me, as someone who you know isn't married and doesn't have kids, I can't relate to that. So I, I, I can respect your identifying with that, with that for sure. Um, and then we go to I think the final track and the the one we were talking about earlier that did have some a little bit of controversy, and that's all around the world or uh, uh, or the. The, the myth, myth of, of fingerprints. fingerprints yeah 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 to me it had a the, the drum to it had a real it, it had a real like 80s sound i know you're talking about 80s sound earlier but almost like it was done with keyboard or something it, it yeah to be honest like, it, it kind of sounded cheap I, I i i can't say i loved it um, well yeah i i can see that and, and to me it, it's interesting because every almost everything else was done with South African musicians, and then uh-huh. you right. know you have this song, which is with Los Lobos, and knowing that it almost makes it in a way not quite fit the bill with the rest of it. Yeah, and so with that, I'm going to kind of segue into the scratch segment, and I'll explain why. Uh, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. See, now, I had, well, my family, of course, had the CD of this because, I mean, that was just the hot technology at the time. So we had this album on CD, and when I ripped this album into my computer, what do you think happened? That song didn't make it. On All Around the World of the Myth of Fingerprints. It had the... It had to scratch. And so it was bad enough where I I just couldn't make it through the song because because it just ticked too much and it was it was too bad to listen to. So for me, this always was the scratch track because it really (laughs) was the scratch track. And so then you know, picking this album up on vinyl, it's interesting to listen to it because I I after a while was pretty sure the album just ended with that was your mother. That was your mother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me take that one step further, my friend. You must have given me this album off your iTunes files. <laughs> Probably. And so I, so I have had it for years and years without that last track on it. Yeah. So I just, I just assumed that it ended, that was your mother. And then I really started doing research and started looking into this album. And I found the, the whole, all the world, you know, the, the controversy with that song being stolen. Yeah. And I was like, "What the hell? Like, what? what where is what it?" Song so then is I, yeah. Then I had to. It go got on stolen from could, my copy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so wait. So, is that literally your scratch? Is it? It is. It is literally my scratch in terms of the CD I had, and it's the one I would scratch because, like I was saying, it just it kind of does for me. It doesn't really fit with the rest of it. And I, I hate to say it, I got so used to listening to it without that, that, I mean, of course, it would put on the vinyl of the record. I mean, it's a fine song, but sure. it, to me, it just doesn't hold up with the other ones. I gotcha. Well, I I, I can't disagree with that um, because it makes sense on, on a lot of levels. <laughs> um, so my scratch, 
was actually the song just before that. And that was your mother because I had listened. So here's the deal though. So I had listened to the album so many times without the last track that we just discussed. And to me, when I take that was your mother and I compare that to all the other tracks on the album, that to me is the least sounding kind of, you know, South African song. And so that's why I scratched that one off. It just, it, it feels like it didn't, it didn't fully, fully fit. Um, and, and so that's definitely the one that, that I've chosen to go with. Um, and I, well, I don't want to say. It's interesting yeah, but, because no, I was just going to say both of those ones, I would say have less of that feel than any of the others. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it is kind of interesting that he did decide to go that route a little bit and, and really just sort of, sort of mix things up. Um, I, I mean, I can't, whatever he, he chose to do what he did and that was a, a creative choice, but I, I just do find it interesting that a lot, the majority of the songs on the rest of the, the album do, do have like a similar feel. And then these other two kind of are a little, you know, just maybe a, l- a little off. Um, the other one that I, I won't, I won't say if it, it didn't fit, but it's almost too upbeat and and sort of happy as you can call me Al. Like every like it, that has a lot of energy to it. You Definitely know? considered that one, and not just because it's the hit. It just um, I, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. Like it, it, it's a little, it's a lot. And maybe I, yeah, it, yeah, it, and maybe I attribute it also to the music video that just seemed a little goofy to me. So it's oh, it's kind of like this goofy, silly song, um, and it just kind of has that loose kind of feel to it. So. So I think, um, yeah. So not that I would scratch it, but I guess I, I you know, we, we it was in the running. Two. It was in, it the, was running. in the running. It yep. was in the running. It was in the running. So we can scratch the last two off the album. Um, well, I think that about wraps us up here on this episode, my friend. I would say, say so, Duder. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you again, everyone, for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this album. And if you have not listened to this album, we both highly recommend it. And we also highly recommend doing a little research uh, beyond this podcast and just learning a little more about it, the time that it was created, and under the circumstances it was it was created. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this episode, we are now on all social media platforms, as well as uh, all your uh popular podcasting platforms. So look for us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, as well as Apple Podcasts, um, uh, iHeartRadio, and uh, Spotify. So we are we can be found. If you can't find us, then you're not looking hard enough. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> until next time, we're ready to go, and we'll be moving on to the next one. Happy scratching, everyone. Signing out. Scratcher Track is produced by the Dude Grimm. Additional music provided by Moore, that's dot 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 M-O-R-E, and the Tims, T-I-M-N-Z. Copyright 2020, The Dude and Grimm Show.